Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. We want to thank you again for tuning in. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here at our church. This week, we talk about chapter 12 of the story. Uh, this this week, we see David uh, no longer is the young, young boy, young man who defeats Goliath, but now he is the sitting king. And what we see with David's reign is he is much more like Saul than you would have thought early on. Uh, This section begins with the scripture that says, uh, in the spring when kings go off to war, and then it immediately says that David is not going off to war. He is sitting at home at the palace. And so uh, this causes trouble for David, but what we explore this week uh, in this sermon is what do you do when things go wrong, when you make those bad choices? Hope it's helpful to you. Hope you'll come visit us sometime. Have a great week. I'm kind of disappointed now that I haven't seen any of you guys hug each other after giving like that. We did it. I need to start out this morning by apologizing uh, to those online, especially when Jordan started singing that first song, I thought the speakers sound a little different, and I realized it was my voice coming over them, um, which is not good as a minister. Uh, I've been here almost two years, and I'm still, especially after I preach, when I get down for the invitation song, uh, most of the time you'll see me look to make sure it is on mute now. Um, so many stories of people going to the restroom with them on and everything. I'm, I'm just like, let's take this off. It didn't help one time I went for an interview before I took the job at Mineral Springs. I went out kind of towards West Texas and uh, met with the, the church the, the night before, and they had a, a group that handled all the audio, video, and really professional, had a great setup, and I was asking them about the mute button, and they said, don't worry about it, we will handle all of that. And they were very serious about this. We will take care of it, we will mute, unmute, all of that. And I thought, I, it really, they were so confident that it gave me confidence until the next day, when the first 20 seconds of my sermon to this church that I was auditioning for was, uh, could, you, could you unmute me? And so now I, uh, I always, always look at that. But that's enough about, uh, enough about me. We start this morning uh, in uh, chapter 12 of the story, and it begins like this in 2 Samuel 11, 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. I appreciate Scott telling that story uh, for communion. He asked me about it right before. I said, hey, I'll be right there with you. Uh, if, if you haven't done much reading, the, the story, like Scott shared, at least part of it, is not unique to that one situation. There are a lot of stories of missionaries uh, being seeing something and, and telling them that, that missionaries were coming or someone was coming to teach them and things like that. It's astonishing. I think for, for us, we, if you haven't experienced that, we kind of look on those things with a, uh, just kind of a skeptical light. And that's understandable to a point. Uh, but I think what Scott said was perfect, is, is why in the world, why would we want to stand and tell God what he can and can't do? And I think the point of the whole thing is God wants all of us to know about him. He wants us to learn and, and be impacted by, by his word. 
And Scripture does that a lot of times in ways we don't even expect. Because of our reverence for Scripture and we hold it highly, sometimes we get this idea in our mind that as we come to Scripture, it's, it's only the do this but don't do that. But oftentimes it's a lot more subtle than that. That God can speak through all the ways that we communicate and irony is one of those things. As you read this scripture this morning, if you've been reading along in the story, you probably caught, as I have highlighted up there for you, that this is an ironic statement. That in, in the Israelite story, that this verse is ironic. Because remember when they wanted a king. Remember the scripture they wanted a king. And I've got that for you in 1 Samuel 8. Uh, as Samuel's trying to convince the people through God, or as God's telling him, you don't want a king, you have one, he's God. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us, then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. The irony here, like last week where Saul was this king, the, the first one that they uh, went with, and he was going to be this tall, handsome guy that went out before them. And what did we see last week? He's sitting in his tent, scared to death, to the point where he would allow a teenager to go and fight the battle for him. Well, David is now in this place. In the springtime, when kings go off to war, David marched around his palace, sitting and doing Nothing. Actually, uh, if you were in class this morning, I think the perfect uh, uh, thing was said when Heath said, man, we can get into trouble when we're bored. Have you found that to be the case in your life? That's what we're going to talk about uh, in just a second. We don't need that one. There you go. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, well, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. And David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. 
David's plan here was to kind of mix up the situation from the bad decision he made. And how can I make this look like it's something other than what it is? In the time of, uh, there's no Mari Povich to tell us whether or not you are indeed the father. Let me confuse this situation and make it look like this is Uriah. But again, God is teaching us through this. You see, there's no commentary from God. And here is why David is an idiot. This is where... David went wrong, and thank goodness, because if, if I was ever in Scripture, I would not want to be talked about like that. But what you see is this just keeps snowballing. These things keep compounding and going, and David is in a bad predicament. Now, you remember the story of David from last week talking about David and Saul. And, and at that point, David was on the wrong end of, of Saul. He was, being, he was the one being treated unfairly. And he knew that, and he experienced that. And apparently all it takes is a little bit of time as king, maybe getting recognized, maybe your ego is getting, uh, I don't know, inflated. And all of a sudden, he is the one mistreating someone else. Uriah, in all of this, is, is kind of pitted against David. One of them is very honorable, the other is not. And that's what we see. And uh, you know the, the rest of the story where uh, David actually sends a letter via Uriah to uh, Joab to, to tell him what we need to do is have Uriah put at the beginning, at the front lines, and then as the battle kind of rages on, everyone else kind of back up and let him be killed. I have a confession this morning as I was, uh, I always get up on Sunday mornings and go to my office and and refresh, and uh, a lot of times add in more slides that all of a sudden I've thought about. I haven't thought about all week, but now, now they're fresh on my mind, which is always fun and wonderful. But Logan uh, came in my office, and he said, Dad, what are we going to talk about today? And it was at that point that Dad realized he had not read this chapter of the story to his sons. And uh, he said, well, I was going to ask last night, but I thought you'd say we didn't have time. <laughs> Not sure I believe that, but uh, that's what was said. But as I told uh, the quick version to, to Logan, he, his, his reaction in the moment was, well, did David get arrested? And I love that because he saw David did wrong and something needed to happen. It was kind of hard explaining that no, the king doesn't get arrested. He just kind of has power, and that's part of the problem here. Uh, scripture doesn't give us all the, the ins and outs of this. Does, does Bathsheba want to be in this relationship? Is it just because of the king's power that, that she feels compelled, like she has to, and that, in that moment, what happens? But what we do know is, is David is hard-headed, a lot like us. Well, like me anyway. And sometimes even as, as stark and as kind of flashing in your face, this is wrong, just like my six-year-old picked up this morning, David doesn't, it doesn't come to realization. He is so focused on covering up his bad decision that the gravity of the, the, the decision and the situation doesn't seem to hit him until Nathan comes to talk to him. Now, as I've gotten older, I have come to appreciate 
uh, a lot of art, especially around biblical situations. And uh, I think probably for a lot of us, uh, the picture I found probably, I don't know, perfectly is probably too strong of a word, uh, but illustrates exactly what this looked like. <laughs> this is one of those that, that came to me this morning. Thank you. <laughs> As Veggie Tales tells it, uh, King David is, is sitting and uh, he's got his ducky. And what we see here is Nathan kind of has to, uh, to lay out this story. And again, uh, a great question from Bible class is why, why did we have to lay out a story for this? And I think the, the, the answer is because is we're just hard-headed, period. It takes a lot. You ever prayed the prayer, Lord, show me the way? Make it in neon, flashing lights, because, Lord, I need to, you know, I'm kind of dense. Just go ahead and give it to me. And, and I think that's the case for all of us. We become defensive about the decisions that we make, and uh, especially when someone challenges us on that. But the way that Nathan goes about this is he tells a story and allows David not to be in the position of defendant, but he uh, allows him to be in the position of objective observer, to see that, of course, this situation is wrong. You've laid it out there. Man, I, he becomes angry, irritated at the guy in the story. And then Nathan looks at him. you got to think right in the eye, and he says, this is you. You are that man. And in that moment, David reacts, and he does so in a way that I think makes him David. It makes him someone that we can look up to in this way. Because David, in that moment, because he is struck the way he is, he repents of his sins. Now, that doesn't give him the all clear that he is free of any consequences. If you read the story, you know that. But it does allow David to become right with God again. And I think one of the big points of this story, and, and I love that Scripture doesn't give us a bunch of perfect people that you're just supposed to imitate, right? Right? Scripture gives us portraits of people who are just like us. We make bad decisions. What are you going to do? That's the question left hanging for us all. And I think the big point in, in this, uh, this lesson this week is that there is a difference in committing a sin or living in sin. Committing a sin is something we all do. It is something you will not escape. There is not a point in life where you say, I've gotten it beat. I have become perfect. Everyone look at me. If you do, we'll escort you to the door because we're not going to have that in here. Blatant lying, right? And actually, Scripture says that. If you say you are without sin, you are a liar. So the question is, well, my goodness, what do we do with this? Again, what David does when confronted with sin is that we humble our hearts, that we understand, yeah, I made a mistake against God. God, I have sinned against you, created me a clean heart, oh God, because that's what I want and that's what I desire and that's what you see in people who love God and really desire that relationship with him. This is not a situation where you know what? The preacher said, as long as I repent, I can do whatever I want to do. 
Because the spirit that, that derives that kind of thinking is not a spirit of God. Do you understand that, church? Paul even has to address this in the New Testament when people said, you know what we can do, what we can do is we can show how gracious God is by sinning as much as we can sin. By living the way I want to live. And, and the, what that will do, you're welcome, God, is show how gracious he is. That is a different spirit than creating me a clean heart, oh God. And so for our church, as we read a story like this, and uh, I'm sure if you're, uh, if you're really diving into this, you do self-reflection like I do. How is this story, the story of David, like John? Where am I doing something in my life that maybe I've ignored and someone needs to say something, or maybe I, I, I do know it now, but I, I haven't addressed it. And so we look at this, and hopefully, uh, my prayer is this morning is that we are a church just like David, that when you see that error, God, I want to come back. Again, as we read this story, we are not free of consequences. That's tough, isn't it? Often that is a stumbling block for us. Uh, often we think because we have sinned, God can't forgive us. We've done too much, and that's not the case. It never is. Oftentimes, even in forgiveness, I'd like to forgive you, but I'd really like to see you suffer a lot of consequences first, and that's a different spirit too. But David gives us this example as he's confronted with this, and we repent as he does. And so that's our call this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you know there is sin in your life, that you have sinned, that doesn't make you weird, that doesn't make you bad, that makes you human. What you do about that sin tells you whether you are following God or following someone else. And so we're going to offer an invitation this morning to repent of that sin. If you'd like to have the prayers of this church, and we don't, we're not a, a church that I saw one time, I shared this with Heath right, right after class. I watched a video one time at my church, and uh, you know when it talks about godly sorrow, that you should have this godly sorrow? That's, that's fine, and I agree with that, but this video was a guy who, he thought it was his job to, if you want to repent, that he was going to stand there and grill you about every specific sin and then ask you, how does that make you feel that you did this to Jesus? The cringiest, worst thing I have ever seen. We're not going to do that to you this morning. <laughs> Nothing in Scripture says that you need to tell me all the things that you did. What's important is you just making your heart right with God, period. And so if you need to come this morning and just say, I want the prayers of this church because I want to leave here this morning knowing that I'm right with him. We want to see that too. If you want to begin that walk with him, we'll find a swimming pool. It's going to rain enough here in just a minute. We could probably just step outside. <laughs> Be baptized into his name, declaring him Lord and Savior of your life. We'd love to see that as well. Would you come as we stand and as we sing?